0: Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I am blessed and honored to be here with you today at St. John's in Dubuque. My name is Brady Wayne Fox, and I am the seminarian intern here now. I figured that this sermon could serve as both a bit of an introduction to me personally, as well as my own theological leanings and ideas. As Dr. Winston Prasad of the seminary would say, the biography of the interpreter often plays a or the critical role in the interpretation of the text. I will be discussing today the idea as brought up in the last line of our psalm. And I would like you guys to join with me as I say it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When I was born, for all my life, I lived in a little town called Kingston, Oklahoma. About 1,400 people spread out over beautiful, beautiful Lake Texoma. It's a fantastic little community, and I'm very grateful to have lived there. But I'd like to also tell you a little bit about my mother today. I am indeed my mother's son, and her spiritual life and growth has impacted me immensely. So, I will tell you part of her story so that you can better understand mine. On my grandmother's side, her mother's family, the family faith was the Worldwide Church of God, which was led by Herbert Armstrong, and some of you may be familiar with it. It was a cult that espoused some white supremacist beliefs and proclaimed that the end of the world was coming this year, no, next year, and so on and so forth. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. On my grandfather's side, my mother's father, they were and are Southern Baptists, a very conservative denomination. For example, my Papa Charlie has vacation to that reconstruction of Noah's Ark that was built by young earth creationists, of course, in Kentucky. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. With one side of the family coming from a cult, and the other side of the family coming from a rather conservative denomination, there was a large amount of pressure to conform for my mother. And as a man, I cannot speak to the realities of the oppressive structure that is the patriarchy today, let alone in the 1980s. But my mother started dating a member of Our Savior's Lutheran Church in Durant, Oklahoma, and for numerous reasons she attended his church. Quite a change of pace. She dated this young man for about nine years, and all throughout high school and college she attended his church, and eventually he went off to Oklahoma City, and for some reason she stayed with his family at that church after they had broken up. I don't know why, and I frankly can't imagine doing such a thing, but she had good reason to stay at the she was particularly struck with the forward-thinking views on gender that were very different than what our society in Oklahoma had and has. She became an active member of the church and brought my older brother and I up the faith, teaching us as well as she could. And though I have harped on the Baptist and our strongest members of my family, they brought me up in a generally positive way, as positive as can be expected, as being raised in a society that has certain xenophobic, misogynistic, and anti-science things as core values. For example, I was told once by my seventh grade science teacher, who was also the Church of Christ pastor in our town, that dinosaurs didn't exist. This was in seventh grade biology class. And as someone who had a Jurassic Park obsessed older brother, I had felt very lied to. You. Thankfully, my mother assured me that dinosaurs did exist, and I didn't have to burn all the white But, there was something important about that to him. The world view that dinosaurs don't exist is vital to some people. It was, a vital, it was a vital importance to him that dinosaurs were not real, and he had to tell people that. Because he believed that he feared the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But what does that really mean? What does it mean for you? How does your fear of the Lord guide you in daily life? Where Father Kevin has jokes, I have historical references. I can't go very long in deep conversation without being reminded of some historical event or war or the like. And so it was that while I was writing my sermon on the front porch of my little Monopoly house at the seminary, I remembered a character from the great mosaic of history. I thought of Ivan IV of Muscovy, the first tsar of Russia. And I know that this is a tumultuous time to be discussing Russian history, and all of my prayers are, of course, with the people of Ukraine. Ivan IV was grand prince of Moscow, and later the Tsar of all the Russians, coronated at 19. He is widely credited with dragging Russia, kicking and screaming, out of the Middle Ages and making it a great empire that would continue to rise and rise until, well, we all know where that goes. Now, many of you don't care about Ivan I, second, third, and certainly not the fourth. But you might know him better by his epithet, Ivan the Terrible. Indeed, many of us have seen the paintings and heard the stories of Ivan the Terrible, an almost Dracula-esque figure in history, be entails tales of his immense cruelty to the people of Russia, or the haunting painting of him holding his son after he had bludgeoned him to death in a rage. Surely these terrible deeds are what inspired the epic. However, the name came long before his mental collapse. So why, then, was he called terror? In Russian, the word they use is kruzny". So does mean mean terrible? No, it's a translation of an old word, and so it doesn't mean exactly thinking of me today. Grudni, best, means courageous, magnificent, magisterial, and formidable. That is quite a bit different than our modern concept of terror. It is much the same story with the fear of the Lord. The worldwide Church of God preached a very scary fear of the Lord, a very terrible fear of the Lord. And so did the Southern Baptist Church. You see, I grew up in a world where attendance at the wrong church might possibly make God furious of you. And God's fury was best felt in money. Those who had money and possessions had been blessed. And those who didn't, well, they just didn't make the cut. They had committed some great sin that rendered them undeserving Grace, mercy, and most of all, money. This idea that we need to be terrified of God is not the beginning of wisdom. Now, let us be clear: God has done terrifying things—the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah for their inhospitality, the plagues in Egypt, and sanctioning the conquest of Canaan. All of these were terror in some way. But God is the Lord of mercy. When the ten lepers came to Jesus today and nine of them ran away, were they not be healed? Of course they were healed. Why then was the one who came back healed by his faith? Weren't the other faithful whenever they asked Jesus to heal them? Did God not show all of them great mercy? no. God is not terrible. God is grusel. God is courageous, magnificent, magisterial, and formidable. God is worthy of respect, and and when one is overcome by the awe-inspiring power of God, that is the beginning of wisdom, friends. Wisdom is not merely being intelligent. We all know people who are intelligent but very unwise. Wisdom is not merely having the right answer, or giving all the right advice, or knowing the truth about God. Wisdom is what happens when we recognize that God made a universe that is 93 billion light years across, with two trillion galaxies in it. When we recognize that God was there for all time, before, during, and after the creation and in of this universe. When we recognize that God made not only 120 billion distinct and individual human beings who have ever lived, but also every animal, plant, fungus, microbe, and atom. When we recognize that God became a baby and cried for his mother. When we recognize that God became a boy in a temple, a man preaching from the mountain, and a kind stranger telling those going through some of the worst parts of their life that they were healed. It's also when we recognize that God was whipped, pierced, and murdered by humanity so that we might know that we are no longer dead in sin. We have to recognize that though there might be grace for many, the great empathy that boils up in us when we recognize that there is indeed a God who has done all of these things from you, for from me, for everyone who has ever been in these walls, everyone who has ever cursed you, blessed you, loved you, and hated you, and more people and things than you can ever fathom to the nth degree. That is where wisdom begins. My friends, when we consider that God has done Where you were when John Kennedy was killed, let alone when 9 11 I did not have these memories, and I cannot understand them in the depths of my soul in the same way that you do. I do, however, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, have some level of empathy and understanding with them. By the way, the fear of the Lord that I have rightly been brought up in, with respect towards God Almighty, I am able to begin to empathize with the billions and billions of people and things and microbes and atoms that God has created and loved throughout all time, and that have gone before us. Though there might have been more These and Thous in their liturgy, I am still able to connect with them. We do not speak the same language as they did we do not know what it was like to live their lives, but we do know what it is to fear the Lord. And so I say to you, my friends, let the wisdom of knowing God dwell know within you. There are people who do not know the Lord, and they are not unwise, and of course there are certain things to be learned from all people from all walks of life and path. However, there is a certain thing about being a be the inspiration of the Holy Spirit through believers, but there is something about recognizing all of those things that makes us particularly gifted to go out and carry the cross of Christ in the world. We are obligated, as people who are freed from the world, to go into it and do the Lord's work. We can empathize with the world because we have a God who came into it. Born to die, as we all are. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, my friends. The respect, the empathy, the sense of majesty that is boiled up within us when we recognize all of these things about our Lord and live our lives accordingly. That is the beginning of wisdom.